My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot what I'm fighting for. When the weight of the world keeps you up at night. When you're running with no end inside. Lot you and Patriots. And today is Wednesday, January 10th in the year 2024. Interesting series of events yesterday. If you, to start with, I don't know if you heard the Brad Miller interview that was on last night. Just an exceptional interview by the former battalion commander for 101st Airborne Rockasins, who was forced out of the military, resigned his commission, and now is the kind of the lead face in this 231 signatory letter calling for accountability for the Department of Defense, which we're going to continue to have that cover that topic and dig into that even more. Tonight, I expect to have Cam Hamilton on and um, looking forward to it. In fact, he's the Navy SEAL that is now running for um, office up in Virginia. Real interesting discussions we'll get into there, I'm sure. He's also a signatory on that letter. And if all goes well, I've been talking to Doc Pete Chambers. He's been in and off the border in places. Hopefully, we'll get him on Thursday or Friday night, which would be really great. And then in addition to that, we have the normal chaos of the world that is kind of like every morning waking up, taking your favorite breakfast and blending it with sour milk or something. But that's kind of the uh, whole nature of the world these days anyway. These people are in pure panic. Patriots, before we begin, uh, sleeping, probably one of the more important things we do in our life. And not ever sure if it's enough, but we have to try to get enough. And what we do there is we need to have great products when we sleep. I'm a huge fan, always have been, or I shouldn't say always, have been for the last 
well, since June of 2021 or May of 2021, when I started using my pillow products, fantastic products. I have them in all of the house, in all the beds. Everybody sleeps on them, friends, family. Yeah, they're great products. The my pillow 2.0 is probably one of their all-star new products, along with their Giza cotton sheets. It's kind of like making a perfect latte, which, as you know, I love coffee. So it's one of those great things. So a perfect latte in the morning or in the night when you sleep. Either way, it's a perfect way to look at it. My pillow 2.0, Giza cotton sheets, the whole series of things that they have there, including bath towels, kitchen towels. I pretty much have them. Pretty much have the whole thing. And so it's there for you. Go to mypillow.com forward slash bards, mypillow.com forward slash bards. Great savings right now, great sales. And these sales will give you free shipping, which is fantastic. And all you have to do is your, use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S. The best gift to give, especially if you have a liberalized neighbor or family member, and just make sure it came, let them know that it came from Mike Lindell, the domestic terrorist. We want to let you know that we love you, which is the ongoing issue of trying to wake up the people in this nation, which is always a challenge. But anyway... Great products, great company, great people, the way we need to have our American business focused in the right way. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code is Bards. It's just a thing that every time you spend a dollar there, you know you're also putting money in to defend the nation, which is pretty amazing. And it really is. So anyway, MyPillow.com and your promo code's Bards. Take advantage of the great savings. So yesterday, an event happened which is worthy of note, which is was in Ecuador. I'm going to read this article. Um, in the wake of the apparent prison escapes of two of the country's most powerful drug gang leaders, Ecuador was rocked by a variety of violent incidents on Tuesday, including an on-air takeover of a television news broadcast in the country's largest city. In response, President Daniel Naboa declared 22 gangs to be terrorist organizations and ordered the military to neutralize them. Now that generally means kill, capture, just so we're clear about the wording. As TC Television was airing a news program from, I can't even say it, Gaia Kia, Kill, I think, studios, men burst in wielding pistols, shotguns, and what appeared to be some sort of fused explosives startled viewers across the country heard what sounded like gunshots and the masked intruders announced they had bombs. Sounds very uh, wag-the-dog-esque, all of this. The only, they only ruled the airways for 20 minutes. Ecuador officials say all 13 perpetrators of the studio takeover were arrested. All hostages were freed. The perpetrators will confront justice and be sentenced for terrorist acts, said the police via, via Twitter. While Zero Hedge can't confirm its authenticity, the purported, oh, they have just have a video um, in here. It just said that it seemed to show that some of the physical justice was dis dished out, meaning the police killed them. It also happened on the amid the campuses. This is where part of it I wanted to get to. Uh, the country's nerves were rattled obviously, and they are uh, the, they hit also the university and campuses of these children going after them and taking hostages. Now, why is any of this relevant? Because we're at a breaking point. And the breaking point that we're at right now is a tremendous one in which if you're paying attention to a lot of the things that are happening, the narratives are not holding together. There is increasing difficulty for this cabal that's running the country to maintain people's obedience to the narrative of willful sub supply or submission to a system that wants to have everybody commit suicide. And I think this is one of the big points that to really understand of this end goal of this narrative in which we currently live. Mark Bashaw hit it the other night on the interview, which was Monday night, if you had a chance to listen to that. He's another one of the signers on the 231 signatories on that letter of military accountability. 
And the question he's asking is someone whose job is to study the threat of injections and threat of bioweapons threats and others, CBRN, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear. That was one of his areas, and that's the threat to the United States. What he was looking at in the VAX is the ability for this, somehow this injection to be increasing suicide ideation. This is an indicator of the darker agenda that's been going on anyway. When we look at the overlay of the outcome of transgender, of the transgender movement where they go through the modifications and are then dependent upon these drugs, these hormone therapy drugs, what you end up with is the same outcome, is that most of them end up committing suicide by the time they're 40 years old. When we look at the increase and in, in the scale of teen depression across our nation, there's been a spike in suicide. Much of this has come, it's been accentuated since the COVID con that they put upon the world. People can't live in isolation and more, more so they also can't live with an overabundance of fear. One of the great things about fear is it forces behavior modification. And that's part of a concept of MKUltra, that when you add enough stress on an individual, it's trauma-based programming is what it is. And that's all MKUltra is with a few other specialties of trying to get people to have specific alterns in your brain that can be controlled. But the idea of trauma-based conditioning is at the center of everything this government does. So crisis, and this isn't just this government, it's the governments across the world, and which you will probably find shocking is that when we get to governments across the world, invariably we have put our fingers in every single one of them. We have to keep in mind that the government has the tools and the know-how on how to manufacture a health crisis. That's not even an issue with them. And that power was given to them in a greater authority under Obamacare when basically what was independent medical facility, in medical treatments and medicine where doctors were actually still being doctors became centralized and controlled under great corporate control and government regulation. And so much of it was controlled through the coding systems to get paid on government contracts. And I say that like getting paid through government money or even insurance. So the government not only has the ability to control media, but it has the ability then to use that lever to control health crises. And it also has the tools and know-how and how to manufacture civil unrest. And these, these issues, when we start to overlay them time and again, are always leading to the same conclusion, which is that they are trying to, by trauma-based programming, control a society and control the world. There is a reality in our world of our current and existing threat, and we do have a rather significant current and existing threat in the world. And that's our ability to think free and our ability to also to be able to defend our homes where others can't, other countries can't. And that ultimately comes from our Second Amendment. I want to play this short piece for you here to kind of give you a perspective. Take a listen. Countries with the most firearms per 100 people. Starting off at the 10th position, we have Iraq with 30 firearm per 100 people. Moving on to the ninth place, we have Iran with 31, Switzerland at number 8 with 32 firearms, moving upwards at number 7, Uruguay with 32.5 per 100 people. Finland with 33 firearms secures its place in the 6th position, reaching to the top 5, New Zealand at 5 with 34.5 firearms, Cyprus at the 4th place with 37 firearms. At 3rd place, it's Serbia with 38 firearms. At number two, it's Republic of Yemen, with staggering 55 firearms per 100 people. Here is an interesting fact about Yemeni culture. Owning a firearm is considered to be a right rather than privilege, meaning anyone can own a firearm without a permit or license as it's considered to be masculine in the Yemeni culture. However, at the top of the list, it's the land of free liberty and democracy, the United States with 120 firearms per 100, making Americans the most armed people in the world. That should be a pretty significant indication of what our threat is to the cabal. 
Admiral Yamato, Yamamoto said once that if you invade America, all you're going to do is have a gun behind every blade of grass. And it's been well known that to take over and take down America, it will never happen through an invasion. The Chinese have said the same thing. Russians have looked at the same thing. But most importantly, and those were all, when we say that, when I say those names, the Chinese and the Russians, you have to keep in mind that those were in context of cabal-led governments. Russia is, to a large degree, freed from the cabal system. I'm not, I'm not propping up these leaders as ideal or some sort of nirvana in, for, that they can lead to earth. But there is a reality in our world that there are countries that are more controlled than others. Unfortunately for the rest of the world and for us is the center of evil sits right here. Unfortunately for the evil, <laughs> God's children are more engaged than anywhere else than here in a certain level. But I want to bring that to, to a point. The way that we become engaged is through a process of constitution, and that's freedom of speech and the freedom to bear arms. Sadly, that itself, the freedom of speech has not been honored by Americans. And the one part, especially within the conservative base that over the years has been worshipped more than anything is the guns. And they know this. And it's not that people worship the use of the right to use guns to protect themselves. It's the right, it's that they worship the right to own them. And this is very critical because we're at a point right now when we need to be engaged in one of the highest levels of intensity of spiritual warfare in a nation. And still, some of the natural defaults for us are always towards the guns, but it's the idea of having guns. And the ownership of the thing becomes more important than the understanding of what the thing was for. It's very critical. This gets into the idolatries of things and the worship of idols. And unfortunately, we've been very weakened by this as a nation. A lot of events are happening. So I go back to where I started this morning, which was Ecuador. This event is not insignificant because of how it was done. It was selected violent action in a small country using gangs, cartels to go after key soft targets. One of those was a television station to broadcast violence on the air. The other was to go to universities where students were and to use violence against students and apparently to do, to do publicly demonstrated acts of murder and execution. Fear is a tremendous controller, as we, as we were getting at, and fear in the trauma-based programming level, people, when a government is unable to control the idea of violence and violence falls upon the people, people will ultimately fall to the demands of their captors and to those who execute violence. Faith is a, a rock that allows people to work through that, to see a greater level, to, to put their fears out of place or out of the way to allow God to flow in. But again, what's been taken out of this nation? It's the relationship in God in every single level. Now, yes, we're trying to get it back. And yes, we're pushing hard to revive that. And yes, there's an awakening. And I get this thing because there's always the people that want to paint the Vanilla pudding on top of the, uh, on top of the the, the the cake that's gone bad, but the rot of our nation is deep. We have to get very real about the, what we're facing here as a remnant and what we're trying to lean into. This nation has, to a large degree, while it is coming back to the relationship in God, the problem is that so many pulpits themselves don't even understand the concept of. of preaching a gospel based on strength rather than a gospel that's rooted in weakness trying to find victory. And you still have this whole ridiculousness of being raptured out of here, which I, I will call as one of the biggest cop-outs of any pulpit in the world, any pulpit of time. Because when you talk about being raptured out in the most critical moment of rescuing the world, we are in the greatest rescue mission ever. The concept of being raptured out is to be, say that there's, you're going to be pulled out of the fight and I, and I don't buy into that. It's, there's nothing in there that tells me that's how we should be. Because there is a concept within all of this that somehow we are going to be at an end times 
and that someone's going to rescue it for us. We made this disaster. And in the biblical framework of things, we're accountable for it. We've also been given the tools and the authorities by Jesus to be able to fight this from the sense of kingdom. Victory was given on the cross. We bring victory into the world. And so we are struggling with this in our culture and right now as people are slowly waking up. And the problem with the convenience of being asleep is, ironically, especially when you have like a really comfortable my pillow and you're in your bed with Giza cotton sheets and you're sitting there and that alarm goes off, you don't really want to get up. And the alarm is ringing in this nation. And the alarm's ringing loud. And people are being drugged into this reality and they're kicking and screaming to a large degree or kicking and streaming is more of a metaphor because they're, they want to stay where they are. They're comfortable. This is the matrix. Now, an event like Ecuador is a small event. It's a, and I see this as a t test balloon is what I see this. They always do this. And this is why I'm bringing this up. They always go through a process of test balloons. They try them in countries where they have control. And they don't let things get too out of control. So what they've ended up doing is they've allowed these gangs, supposedly 22 gangs or something like this, to be able to escape magically from prison, to go into the communities, to extol violence, to use the mechanisms like the airways, like students that are so weak in general. Students, just especially university, they're just going through this propaganda programming that tells them you are weak, you are weak, you are nothing. Especially here. It's, it's, on, it's on overdrive here. And... They, are, they go into these places where fear is there, and then you build what happens then is they work immediately, and it may happen in Ecuador, we'll see. The voices of the media will kick in to start talking about the sympathy we need to have for those extolling violence on the public. This will be the next phase. And it will happen here, most likely. This is why I bring this up. I anticipate this. And you should too. Is that lacking faith and lacking an understanding that there is a moral right and a wrong, that there is a moral line and strength, and we have to have moral courage in a time of crisis and a moral courage in the face of evil. People are conditioned and taught to have peace at any cost. That's coming right out of the pulpit. A large percentage of the pulpits in this country teach peace at any cost. And if you have any question about that, just drive around and look at the LGBTQ flags flying in front of these churches. That's called peace at any cost. And it goes to the depths of this woke culture, which is based on diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. I did the whole show yesterday morning on that. And these concepts then get to the root of taking the idea of Christ's love and translating it into a religion which people then believe, which they call DEI, which is we all need to get along. We all need to include everybody. You can be anything you want to be, and let's just get along at any cost. There's no strength. It rips the, weak, it rips the strength from the culture, trains, trains the culture to be compliant, all in the name of, quote, love. Completely distorted view of what Christ was. Horrific. And, of course, you don't want to talk about flipping tables, challenging the Pharisees. You don't want to talk about Christ standing between the accusers, adulterous, and, the, and who have the stones in their hand. You don't even want to talk about one of the more important issues, which is, oh, let's see, the people that were supporting Jesus and laying down at his feet the week before now are the ones lining the streets, throwing stones at him and everything else they can spit at him as he's walked his way up to being crucified. So this is the glimpse of the darker glimpse of the world. And I think this is, in, in scriptural sense, is something we don't spend enough time on and looking how feckless people are in their faith and how weak and controlled they are by the state. And this shows up beautifully when we see those that were with him and then those that turned on him so suddenly when he was puppeteered in front of the world, in front of the people to say, he must be sacrificed. And then the, the blood sport begins. It's a deep and sad reflection of the state of human beings. And it's the, it, should inf, it should embolden us in the sense of our faith to spread that gospel of Jesus Christ, to get it into people's hearts, to un, have them understand in time of crisis where they need to be walking, not walking in fear. So as you see on something like what happens in Ecuador unfold, 
and they're using these mechanisms. Now let's overlay that here and what that could, what that could imply and why it's important. As we step into this next phase, which the cabal is being, it's a global organization, let's face it. This is their hub. They have the greatest military here, and sadly, they have created an entire country. At one point, they've created a, a mass psychosis over a country that the majority of people will comply to the ridiculousness of sending their own children off to wars that have no impact on this soil. That's a great indication. And, if, and then we go further to say, how deep is your programming? And we can point to a couple of things. One event which we can laugh at, but it's very important to appreciate the magnitude and scope of what they've done, is how did they possibly get a culture in the midst of a pandemic to literally lose their mind over not having enough toilet paper? We laugh at this, and I do. I find this comical, but I find this very deeply disturbing because in the price, in the sense of let's say there actually was a pandemic, which we know now it's all fake, in that middle of that psychosis of pushing that fear, the country literally as a mass, as a focus on a story, and we literally, real results, you could see it anywhere you go. You could just go to Costco and watch it happen. People begin hoarding toilet paper. And you're like, wow, that is some deep programming and some sickness there that is unbelievable. People weren't hoarding Bibles. They weren't on their knees praying. They weren't hoarding food or to getting food for their neighbor. They were hoarding toilet paper. So many rabbit holes I could go down on that. It's unbelievable. Deeply disturbing. And then as we continue down this path, we look at how quickly this mass psychosis turned family to family. Churches against people. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the government steps in and says, you know, you need to basically, in, in the many ways that it said it, you need to hate those that do not abide by the injection and, and do this. You must hate those that do not listen to the government. You must hate those that dare, dare proclaim that their rights are given by their creator to make a choice of free will. You must hate those that choose free will over the obedience to the government. And where do we end up? In the most amazing moment, on a global level, in particular here in this nation, we end up in the Book of Enoch, in really the origins of the fight. And you can see that replicated in, throughout the Bible. Book of Enoch was a, is not in the canon text, but it is has been referenced in the Bible to read, and it's an important book to read within the context of, of the scriptures. To understand this, this story gets us to an origin of the original fight, the fall, which is in a simple terms, Satan wants to have his, the people, the children on earth, God's creation, to be obedient and be told how to worship. And God is saying in a simple sense, no, they need to have free will to come to me and choose me in their love by their free will. That's the origin we see the fight happen right before us. And it comes out of this COVID con. And we look at this across the world and we say, wow, we have a nation that actually did this, that actually obeyed. We get the fight with Ukraine. There's people, even in the small town here, they don't know Ukraine from another brand of, of Cheerio cereals. Like a, they couldn't tell Ukraine from the difference between a generic brand of breakfast cereal. And yet they're flying, literally flying Ukraine flags in the front of their business. They don't know a thing. I, could, I guarantee you I could walk in and go, tell me about Ukraine. And they'd be like, we need, we need to defend them. Are you willing to sacrifice? And this would be the thing. We need to send our military over. This happens all the time. So again, we're getting into the psychosis of things. And so we build, develop this breakdown of culture, which is no longer rooted in Scripture and no longer rooted in a right and wrong and no longer rooted in the fact that there is such a thing as evil. I've been saying this a lot lately because it's very meaningful to me as how God worked in his word to me. When this channel's name was moved from Bards of War to Bards FM. Very, very difficult moment that happened back in 2021. And it was, I think it was June 2021, somewhere in there. And it was very difficult because that name Bards of War I love, still do. But God led that name change. And as I've sat with that, worked with that, let him speak to me on it, it was really in many ways, and I'll use the term loosely here, but very prophetic in its nature. Because FM, being field manual, as he continues to show me as I read through scripture, the Bible is the field manual for war. 
and other things, but it's the field manual for our life. But right now it is a field manual for war. And as we understand that and understand all that goes on in being great warriors, we have to have that compassion. We have to have empathy. We have to have love in our hearts. We have to have lack of vengeance or hatred in our hearts. We have to walk with the authorities of kingdom. We have to have the ability to step in as, as these as those walking in the body of Christ to be able to live these words, rescue, heal, restore, rescue, heal, restore. We have to be able to do that as function. We get there by the book of Acts and the church of Acts. We get there through the authorities and red letter language that are given to us by Jesus. And all of that is in, in its sense, the tools of warfare that we are dealing with, ultimately leading to things like greater works than he. But within that, there's 365 times of noted of, of a note that's worthy that that was not only worthy, but to what in my life. And I, I, I get pushback on this, and that's why I say this, but it's just how I interpret scripture here very importantly, is that when God gives us a, a direction, a command, as I read it, fear not 365 times, to fear is to sin within him. And so when we strip away fear. There's nothing that this cabal has on you, nothing. But when you strip away that relationship with God and you inject fear as a foundation and trauma-based programming as a foundation, now you have a major problem in society. It's easily controlled. And instead of us being the princes and the priests of the world to be able to advise leaders, we become the subjects of their tyranny and a willful slaves in a world where we should be shaping kingdom in God's name. Huge difference. So back to Ecuador. Why is that so important? Because that test case, that, that test balloon they just ran, is going to be looking at the many things. Understand the size and magnitude of the system under which we are living and what it is doing. A test balloon like that is going to look at a number of things. It's going to look at the reaction of people on the site. They're going to look at how effective. And these are all data data draws that they're doing. Every person involved in this control of humanity is involved in what I'm telling you right now. And how do I know that? Because it's the basis of great psychological and information warfare. When you want to do something, you do a test on something, you look at a local market and you see what the response is to the people. You see how, they're, how they engage in the products you put before them in the events that happen. And in so doing, you're able to calibrate that towards a larger scale, especially on a national level. When you look at nations like, like Afghanistan and you're going to deal with, it's very difficult to deal with global universal type PSYOP and information warfare in Afghanistan because there are multiple languages and there's multiple deep cultural differences region by region. So you have to get down to tribal level. You have to understand at the most local level and then you have to build outward. You end up with things in Afghanistan that are give you an extreme model of how a seeming unity in the country is actually a country woven together of disunity and just basic agreements to get along in tribes versus this nation that's bound by universal laws and rules by the Constitution. So right now, what you can expect with Ecuador is that not only are you going to, this will probably be squelched, but you'll watch for the sound and the voice of coming out with empathy and sympathy for those that perpetrated the crimes. And this will now flow into the university system here. And it will flow in and trickle in quietly to the media here. Well, they will either not talk about it, but if they do, they'll talk about it in terms of like some mis mistreated prison inmates situation. Inmates have living in a horrible prison conditions. Okay, yeah, but they were also the worst criminals in the nation, doing things like raping children, trafficking children, and passing drugs to children. The crimes that even heaven were love what God loves, hate what God hates, scriptural. These are important principles to understand and apply to what's happening right now because this, this false flag, which happens just south of our southern border, is happening ahead of this influx of fighting age males, which just happen to come from the same region of cartel members that are linking with other foreign fighters, flooding into our cities, flooding into our environments, and if they're going to go after something, they're not going to go after hard targets. They won't survive. They're not going to go after the hardened, they might try, but they're not going to be successful in a hardened conservative community.
but they will be successful to a degree if they go after soft targets in liberalized cities that are already broken. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon is a great example because they have actually do a semi-worship of Che Guevara, which is, he's the leader of the Cuban, ultimately the source of the Cuban revolution and communism. Portland is a city that's lost its way. It's morally broken. Its leadership there is completely sold out to the model of destroying people for the benefit of themselves. Its number one problem in Portland right now on a mass scale is now the contamination from human feces. I'm not kidding. This is the latest reports. That the human feces problem in Portland is so bad that it's now filtering into the water system and people are getting sick. And people are getting sick even from contact on the streets. This is how you destroy a country. And this is how you infect it because people lose even their moral framework of who they should be in the world. They lose their sense of being and well-worth. That's the beauty of the transgender movement is from the enemy's point of view is the transgender movement teaches children that God is, is a God of imperfection, not a God of perfection. And in this ideology of diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's telling people that you must get along with everybody because we're all imperfect. This is an extension of the pulpit. And we must love everybody because God, ultimately the conclusion is God is imperfect, has made us imperfect, and therefore we have to overcome that by including everybody in love, which would mean you have to love your captor. You have to love your enslaver. You have to love those that install violence on you because it's not their fault. You can see these arguments flow. So in the anticipation of what I think is coming, watch for this sort of discussion coming out of this and happening in our universities, happening in our media, in various forms, which is going to try to condition and prepare the ground for the next wave, which will be violence on our soil. And they'll go after soft targets. Every revolution that's ever been successful targets the youth. And unfortunately, we don't do a good job. We, I think we've done an exceptionally better job at reaching the youth with the word. But I think we do a very horrible job of training our youth to be warriors. Because the warrior concept in Scripture now has been so diluted by churches, people don't for a large degree. And when I say these things, I'm always going to backtrack and remind you, there are great churches out here. But there are, they are far and few between in a sea of corruption of the pulpit. And the strength of where we have to be walking is when the, bringing that church into the world in our heart as Jesus intended. It's the church without the limitation of walls. It's the church of Paul bringing it into the community. It's what Peter was doing. It's the idea of bringing Christ into our lives and the mightiness of that. And it's the authorities that will, true love and, and forgiveness bring in this world that can be overcome but never shaken or rocked. As of the critical piece here when we get into all this is understanding the strength of love and forgiveness. So as we go along and we watch this dismantling and in, a, in this kind of last throes of a choice, because we're in, these, we're in this window, what I say is probably about six years, roughly, between now and 2030. And it's really going to dictate heavily how we choose as a nation to lead the rest of the world. If so much of the weakened population succumbs to this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, religion, it does not want to pivot back to a moral foundation of what's right or wrong that will include in its vision that human beings can transform themselves into anything and that we can, you can be a dog, you can be a cat, you can pee in a litter box in school, or you can have your gender modified, including have your genitals removed, and it's all okay because you were made imperfect. If that is the line in which we follow, that is the line of Satan itself. If we are going to be a strong nation and stand to be morally correct at this juncture, that means that those voices that are there have to speak out loudly, and they have to be bold, and they have to be less concerned about who you offend and more concerned about how you offend God. We have to get to being the Davids of our time that listen to the enemy and say, you offended, you insulted my God because David knows the God that saved him. And now David steps up with the authorities knowing that God is with him. He doesn't have to sit and wait to be rolled up and then go, well, God, should I? David steps ahead of the problem and says, you have defamed the one God. 
and in so doing declares what the consequence of that is. Think about that. The consequence for Goliath defaming the, God, the one God, our God, is death. And again, ideas that put shivers up many because they're like, yes, but Jesus, yes, but Jesus did bring love and did bring authority, but he brought also consequence. And when we talk about his return, it is not one that's easy. He walked on this earth as a man to bring about an understanding of love and of the power of love and the authorities within it. But he's always, even in the garden, talking about how he could call upon the angels to come down and join him. He's very aware of the authorities and consequence of wrath. In our heart, it isn't us to wield the sword of steel to try to bring about wrath in any way that would not be of God's hand. That's what I say so many times. If we look at Jericho through that lens, we understand that the enemy's literally given seven turns to seek repentance and chooses not to. So on the seventh turn of the seventh day, its walls fall and the city is sieged and every man, woman, child, and donkey is slain. That's the violence within the war of faith, and it's real. And it's one that we have to start understanding that the enemy is using the violence against us to try to weaken a nation and weaken a world based on fear. And so they use these events like Ecuador to try to inoculate fear so that at the end of the day, it's easy for the enemy to find a voice to convince the people that they were inappropriately treated. They need to be different. They need to be understood differently. You misunderstood me. You've offended me. These are all words out of the woke culture. And it's important to grasp the magnitude of this because when you tie that into the engines of a state-controlled system, which is what we live under, we don't live under a free system. This is a state-controlled tyranny that we're under that has been extremely well-engineered to make us believe that we have freedom when, in fact, we have very very little of it. We give away everything in this world to the worship and the tithes and offerings to tyranny, not to God. Even churches in the 501c3 are part of this, and I will prove this to you. We give our tithes to a church in money form, and the churches and become an, an, a 501c3. Why? Because they supposedly get tax-free status, which is, by the way, there is no reason to do this in our current tax code. I'm just going to be clear about that. Whether it's a 508, whether it's a private trust, there's many ways to do this without having to do a 501c3. But what's critical about a 501c3? It gives the donor, he or she that donates to the church, it gives them a percentage back on their taxes of their tithe. Please tell me where in scripture it says, please tithe to God and God will give you part of it back. There, It plays on this idea that if we tithe from a heart and we're, we're a cheerful giver, that this will come back and bless us in like sevenfold. But that's not what that actually is. That is a Babylonian twist on this to where churches that use the 501c3 model are themselves part of the Babylonian model. And there's no exceptions to this. If we don't start looking at how corrupt this is in our system, we're starting to miss the point of how even those places where we go and bring our money, quote unquote, to tithe into the good, we're tithing into Babylon. We are literally, what is happening? We are literally at the point of the money changers outside the temple. That's why Christ, one of the many reasons I believe Christ flipped tables, is he understood the power of Babylonian money magic. That the tithes were being brought into the money changers who were flipping the tithe into something that could be literally put in the pocket of the Pharisees and used for their own devious ways, which probably, I say this, probably ended up somewhere along the way in some version of child sex exploitation because it's just historically where everything goes. We are in a very challenging moment right now that is going to require the strength of the remnant to step in and to pray hard and to lift up this nation. And we have to use the power of our faith in a mighty way as a sword to wield it against an enemy and be ruthless about the truth in which we deliver. The letter of the accountability for military accountability of the 231 is at the core of that. And it's a message that's being sent that people are now stepping up with to join in, which is a greater message than just that. It's a message of faith. 
It's a message of right and wrong. It's a message of accountability. It's a message of moral reset. So as we watch this cabal maneuver on a global scale, and they are, and they're in desperation, and they're looking at their biggest prize. Up to this point, their biggest prize had been the United States, a willful mass of compliance. Then again, as to kind of complete the thought of earlier, to look at the magnitude of their programming and the success of their programming on a nation of 331, 330 million people. They have taken a nation of 330 million people and they have locked them in the lockstep to nonviolently, limitedly, verbally, meaning protest against. There's been no violent protest, no verbal protest, very limited verbal protest against creating laws and authorities and mandating rules that say that a child outside of the control of his family must be allowed to cut off their, their genitals, remove their breasts, and change their gender if a child so agrees, which is everything anti-biblical. And a society, for the most part, has done nothing to stop it. That is the most masterful programming you could ever expect. That's the spell of death that's upon this nation. And if ever a time that the, the use of the Second Amendment would have been warranted, I will guarantee you would still find a place in heaven had it been used. But it wasn't. And so by violence, they have taken God's a large perception of God's kingdom under their control. And the violence wasn't the violence of shooting people in a shopping mall. The violence was that of doctors and teachers and counselors convincing children in the, with the violence in thought and word that they needed to mutilate their perfect bodies to become perfect in this world. I can't think of a greater sin. I can't think of a greater crime. Because then the children are left alive and unable to reproduce in a world which is one of God's, if not God's greatest gifts, which is the ability to co-create and to expand the kingdom. This is the power of the fallen world and the world that which we must now put upon our hearts to say no more. So what happens in Ecuador? It's a test bubble, a test balloon of a run that is likely to come here that is going to use all of this broken foundation in a place in the world where we have been trained and conditioned to believe that we are unworthy right out of the pulpit, that we are not worthy of being, that we are unworthy of God's love. This is not true. We are imperfect, but imperfect and unworthy are not equal. And we have to re-empower re people to believe that they are very worthy. They're completely worthy of God's love. They are imperfect, and therefore we strive to be greater within the body of Christ. But we have the authorities given to us as kingdom that the higher we ascend into these levels of walking in the body of Christ, the more that is given to us, and the more that we are able to walk into the powerful and gorgeous and amazing gifts of healing, restoring, delivering, raising the dead. Amazing. And that is where we, as a remnant, not as some exclusive group, but as anybody that joins that that rank and file of the remnant is listening to God, is walking within the authorities of Christ, is embracing the glory of heaven on this earth and is looking evil in the eye and say, I walk fearlessly into your camp and I will disrupt you. I will shake you. I will break your strongholds and fortresses within the spiritual realm and I will free these people. And then to be able to minister to these people in the flesh, to heal them in the spirit, that's the greatest rescue mission of all, of all time. And that fire in our belly has to be greater than ever. It's the righteous fire of kingdom, the righteous fire of, of our Father that burns to go after and seek to save as many as we can. Hence the need to separate the sin from the sinner. But these little events around the world are coming here. It, it's a preparatory because there is a culmination moment that has to happen. And when we have our faith, no matter what we face, we can face it fearlessly, no matter what it is, knowing that we have God, we're walking with Jesus, and we're anchored with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And that challenge this year, I think, is going to be the greatest we have yet. You can consider we're in day 10 of the new year. And we've had a few things go on, <laughs> if you've been paying attention to the news. And we're just getting warmed up. So you can be guaranteed that the enemy is looking at this as an extremely critical year of having to figure out how it is going to succeed in trying to finally take out people and break their will to such a degree that they can move forward with the balance of their plans to mop it up by, the, by 2030. And all I can say to that is not on my watch. It is not happening. And so with that, to embrace the greatness of love, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 John 3, to embrace these powerful scriptures of love embedded in yourselves, but understanding that love is not DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Love is the love of kingdom, which at its root is accountability, is forgiveness, and is repentance, which raises us up more mighty in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning very blessed and humbled with all that we have before us and all the challenges that continue to be around us. And so, Father, we're just right now praying into a nation, praying into the nation to break the strongholds of fear and the clutches of fear that continue to hold people and anchor them to the root of evil. So, Father, as we pray into this, we pray into breaking those strongholds, breaking those chains and freeing people into this world, and we take that into the spiritual realm. And we seek the strongholds of fear. And we seek the strongholds of, of control that come from fear. And we break and shatter those strongholds. We tear down those fortresses. We sever the binds and strings that bind those in the, in the earthly realm to the concepts of fear. And let those be loosed and let those demonic forces understand that we are the children of the Most High that have now stepped into this moment that, that, have been, that earth has been groaning and waiting to arrive. And as we pray into this in a mighty way, Father, let those fortresses and let those forces know that we are here and that will not be anymore. And so we pray this blessing of release from fear over this nation, over the world, to shake people to their root, to sever those things that bind them, to let them start seeing more clearly, to see a world not of fear, but a world of freedom and let the power of freedom flow into their heart, the freedom of the love of Jesus. Let the indoctrinations of years begin to bleed off. Let the scales that have been built up and like calluses over their eyes be torn away. Let the ears that can't hear because of growths and cancers that infected the, the hearing to be cleared out and let the ears now hear more purely the voice of you, Father. Let their eyes see like you do, Father. Let us see each other through the lens of unity, through love in the heart, and let us see evil for what evil is. And so, Father, we pray additionally for an unmasking to strip away the tools and methods used by evil to hide its words, to hide its intent. Let people hear and see what they are saying for what it truly is. Let them see the evil for the purity of evil that it is, not for the soft words of lies and promises given that speak to weakened hearts, that try to find try to fill an emptiness in their wounds with the material promises of nothing that come from politicians, corporations, lawyers, doctors, teachers, counselors. Let us hear the people speak the words of truth and let their words be filtered through a helmet of salvation of truth. Then no longer can the words of, tr of lies be masked within promises of truth that are not there. Let the true sense of a troop of each person start to be revealed that we can begin to see into their hearts to understand intent. And let us be built, build stronger in, in the body of Christ in particular as this remnant rises. Let these anointings fall upon us that we can truly see into the hearts of men, to see their intention, to understand their hearts, and in so doing, be able to have those words to speak with the gospels of Jesus Christ into their hearts to free them from these burdens, to set them free within, within Jesus and the acceptance of where they are within the body of Christ, to bring them home. So, Father, we pray these blessings upon Bard's nation, upon the remnant, upon this nation, upon the world, to lift up the mighty warriors of this hour, the mighty warriors in Christ, that now will step in to use the tools of heaven that wield the sword of the Spirit with the force 
of steel, but with the love of Christ. To be able to crush an enemy through love, through accountability, and ultimately through a forgiveness in our heart. Of all things, the greatest force in all of this is love. 1 Corinthians 13. We raise this up, Father, in this hour, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. The greatest force of all is love. And I think that every one of us, one point or another, will struggle with some of that and how that translates into a physical world. 1 Corinthians 13.13 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, use, an unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. Powerful. And then we walk in that place and we wield that sort of love, and that is the true power of the sort of spirit behind all things, reinforced, obviously, by faith and hope. But most important of all of those is love. Let's wield it. Let's do it. Let's raise this, these people up, continuing to find the, the each one that needs to be freed, to free ourselves, keep ourselves free, and to set others free. Powerful mission, the greatest rescue mission in the history of humankind. And you're here in this time to share it and be part of it and to be active on the ground. I can't think of a greater time to live. Incredible. Patriots tonight, Kim Hamilton, Navy SEAL. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a powerhouse interview again. He's one of the signatories on this letter of accountability to the military. Fantastic. And we're going to continue that push. Push for accountability in the rank and file of our military. Push for accountability within our government. Push for accountability in people's lives to strip them from fear, to free their hearts into this time, to lift them up and to create a nation once again rooted in the power and glory that God gave us as a remnant, as a city of the light on the hill, a, a nation that humbles itself before the throne, a nation that seeks to raise up each other and in so doing raise up a world. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you this evening for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space.
We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 